Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Every time I fail, which is a lot in my life, um, I had a great thing. I had to get up. And that's training. This is the How to Trade Stocks Options Podcast, brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. I just released the second edition of the Triple Stock Profit System ebook, and you can get it free when you head to triplestockprofits.com right now. Download it free now and change your life forever. Again, that's triplestockprofits.com. Hey, don't miss out. And remember, triplestockprofits.com. Markets are people. People are predictable. Outlier can show you how to track market fear and greed with artificial intelligence on over 1,300 of the largest market cap names. Visit outlier.com to learn more. That's O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. They have a free pilot program for the rest of 2021 so you can get access to right now at O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. That's O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. Hey, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we give you more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter every single week. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Today, I am so excited to share with you this guest that we have on the line, the one and only market wizard himself, Larry Height, has joined us. Larry, thank you so much for coming on the line today. Well, thank you for having me. I got to tell you, Larry, I uh, I am a huge, huge fan of yours. Um, you are one of my my uh, trading heroes, and uh, to be able to chat with you is is it's somewhat of a like a, a, a fanboy moment for me. I'm I'm over here thinking, you know, pinching myself. This can't be true. This can't be real. But yes, here we are. Yeah, here we are, Larry. If you don't mind, let's talk about your history. How did uh how did you get started into trading? Because your route wasn't essentially the uh, common way onto Wall Street, I guess you could say. No. Um, well, it started because I'm blind in my left eye. Uh, and I have uh, some other eye problem with my right eye. So between two eyes, I have about a quarter of an eye. Now, that did not work so good for baseball, didn't work for most sports, and I was dyslexic, so I found that sports, I failed at education, but I was put into a position from a young age that was my job to support my family, grandparents or whatever. And that's what I was here for. So I had no real abilities. And 
And I, I first I started off, I like show business because um, I always wanted to be wealthy. That I had a very, I had an uncle who was, uh, who did extremely well and he was short guy, but he was a tough guy. And, um, and I realized one time I went to see this eye doctor that I'd been seeing for years, the family. And, um, I just, and he turned to move near a neighborhood that I used to live in. Um, so I decided I would, I went into the doctor's office and I don't know about you, but wherever, what I know about doctor's offices, you always have to wait, mm -hmm. right? So I had this car and driver, it was a deal that I made with man, they had to give me this to come aboard. And I walked in an hour early, there was no, happened to be no traffic. The secretary was or nurse was a real tough old lady, and she said, "Hey, when we tell you two o'clock, we don't mean one o'clock. <laughs> get out!" You know, I said, "I've been coming here since four. Get out!" So I went to the house that I grew up in for twenty-five years. I lived in a house on Ocean Avenue in Brooklyn, and. I decided I would trace how did I get from that apartment house to making myself from zero to a multimillionaire. And I think that's what most people want to talk about. And, and I had this uncle, his name was Jaime. And Jaime came from the Lower East Side. Uh, he was so poor that his parents uh, had to put him in an orphanage to, to feed him. And um, then he got out. And he, his sister married a guy who had come, they'd all come from Russia or somewhere in, in Eastern Europe. And this guy, his name, um, was Shapiro and um, Charlie Shapiro. And he started off at 15 years old with, um, he, got, he got himself a push car and he wound up living next door to Joseph Kennedy. Hmm. And so from nothing, he became very rich and he, um, he, my uncle, he gave my uncle first job because he had married my uncle's sister. And he was a very, I never met this guy, but he was a very big influence on my uncle. And uh, my uncle had a, always had a good mouth. And he was always, although he had an eighth grade education, he was a man who thought for himself. He reasoned things out, right? Um, and, he, and he knew facts. And so my uncle told Charlie that 
I think Stephen's going to become a lawyer. And Charlie looked at him and said, hi, me. No, no, you're not going to be a lawyer. That, that's not smart because lawyers are like plumbers. They get paid by the hour. Right? No. And, and if you're selling hours, you just have 24 minutes, 24 hours in a day. The real thing, if you want to get wealthy, is to have your money work for you. I was, I was working in Hollywood and I was set, I was on a set of a, of a movie and I was watching Paul Newman and his wife. Well, it was really quite amazing. Paul Newman really thought about these, his character and he spent a lot of time doing that. His wife, Joanne Woodward, she could be playing cards. And then it came, these movies are shot in pieces. And she could be playing cards. And then they said, yo, you're on. And she would step from that card table, put down a sandwich. By the time she walked on the, on the, on the, on the set, she was that character. He had to work at it for hours. She just did it. And so I thought, well, if I'm ever going to get somewhere in show business, I'm going to have to do movies. And like John Lennon, I found doing movies very boring because you spend a lot of time doing nothing. You could have done a perfect scene. And if a Klieg light was off, you have to do the whole thing again. And so... I decided that I was going to have money work for me. Just, and I don't know, even, I never met this guy, Charlie, but the idea of that stayed with me. Mm -hmm. And because I had from my dad the idea that I was responsible, not only for him, but for his mother and cousins, uh, this is what immigrant families do. Um, and, I, and I wasn't good at anything. So I had to find things that my handicaps wouldn't get in the way. Mm -hmm. And thinking is one of these things that are free. You can think for nothing. And you could train your mind for nothing. So I began to think of what businesses I could go into where if I could set it up with my brain, uh, it works. So after a while, I don't know why, uh, this is what happened. So I had this girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And worked at a brokerage house, right? And um, he, and she had this boss who was trading commodities, and I had heard something about it. And this guy comes out in a suit. Now this, you got to remember, this is like late seventies. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And anybody who's cool didn't wear a suit, right? Okay. And this guy, a couple of years older than me, comes out in a suit, and he starts to tell me how he can make me $1,000 a week, right? Now, I knew, uh, I didn't know what he was talking about, but I tell you what I didn't know. I knew he was full of shit. <laughs> how did I know he was full of shit? Because if he could make $1,000 a week, why is he schlepping in from Long Island to, every day to try and get a, a guy, get a yeah. customer, right? I mean, if you want to know how good somebody is, look at how they get paid. And I knew nothing about, but I knew he didn't know. And I got very interested. He, he told me about pork bellies. Mm. And I did some research. I found that pork bellies went up. If you bought them in January, you sell them in July, you made money. Nobody could tell me how. And, but I, I, I couldn't get an answer. Finally, I was reading a book on meatpacking. And I just wanted to know. I, I, why I wanted to know, who knows. And what happened was most bacon, pork belly is a bacon, the underside of a, uh, of, uh, of a pig. And, um, and I, I, I never, I had actually never saw a pig. I'm a city kid, right? <laughs> I, the only animals I ever saw were dogs and cats and maybe horses in the park, right? That's it. And I found out that when, they, so they used to take the hogs and they put them in trucks. Well, in the heat in Indiana and in places where they were raising hogs, hogs died on the trip. That was part of what happened. So just as there was a big supply, a big, a big market for bacon, the pigs died, so the prices went up. And that's sort of how I got started. And it, it came very naturally to me. My book, The Rule. I got it right here. Is a very simple book. Let's talk about, you're never going to get far in trading. <clears throat> unless you can live with losing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, if you look at failure in American businesses, the Labor Bureau has this. The average startup business, basically 20% of the people fail in two years. Mm-hmm. And five years, of the people fail. At 10 years, 65% are gone. That's a very high rate. Absolutely. Uh, I I went to work. I was a pretty good salesman. So um, I I couldn't find any. I wanted to know about commodity trading. That's what really, you know, it's like... um, 
like they say in um, the evangelists say, some people, you know, some people have a calling. I don't know why. I mean, I would have naturally thought I would have stayed in showbiz, but I just, it's like out of the blue, I got interested in this mm-hmm. thing. And I wanted to know how it worked. I remember I'm going to a friend of mine's wedding in Michigan, some very small town. It was so small of a town, there were three of us in a car, and we drove right by the town. <laughs> we, you know, and on the way there, I made everybody stop the car because I saw a pig. I had never seen a pig. And oh, okay. I was, and I was trained pork bellies, right? If it is really weird, pork bellies started trading on the Merck, Chicago Merck, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the Board of Trade was kind of a waspy exchange. The Merck was a, had a lot of Jew, Jews there. So imagine that all these people were trading pork. Who did mm. they ate pork? Right, right. Against their religion. I mean, it's really bizarre. It is a weird thought, yeah. But I learned, so I've been a fundamentalist. I've been a chartist. Uh, let me tell you about charting. Yeah, please do. I'm at this firm, and two guys there. One guy, a guy named Bob Zola, a very bright guy, and another guy, I forget his name, who they both went to MIT. And I, I've always been a, until I had children, I, like, I loved sleeping in. Children broke that habit, because they don't know about sleeping in. <laughs> when they're babies. And they call me into a room. Now it's like nine o'clock at night. I'm the only, them and me are the only two people in the office. And they lay out, and I had, was pretty good charters. And they say, Larry, what do you think this pattern is? Uh, one guy thinking it was head and shoulders, the other guy called it an upjack. And I'm sitting there, and I'm amazed. I am effing amazed. These guys, who whatever made himself a multimillionaire, couldn't agree what was on the paper. I mean, think about it. Two MIT graduates, right? One a self-made millionaire. They can't even, they're calling me a 28-year-old kid to go in and tell them what's on the paper. They were too smart for their own good. I don't know (laughs) what, yeah, I guess so. And I said to myself, this is crazy. If they can't agree what's on, so I just said, I'm not going to do patterns. I'm going to do numbers. Mm. Because if you look at a six, you know what a six is. Right. And that's where I started to use numbers. I wanted to, I I don't want to make guesses, right? I don't know where things are going to go. I have 
but I know where they are and where they came from. Right. But I don't know where they're going to go. But I got to look at things that are facts. So if if the Dow moves up 12 points, you know, then it moved up from one number to another. It's an absolute fact. If it lasted there two seconds or two weeks, doesn't matter. But they are dealing with facts. Um, when I tried to start in this business, I wanted to write an article for a commodity journal. And the guy said, nah, I got tons of articles on this commodity. That it is what I really want is I want game theory. So uh, I don't know if you know Carol King, the singer. Well, she and I went to school at Madison. Uh, we were in drama class together. And she's a very nice person, very friendly. And um, so she goes in and she writes a song and the, the, the group said, no, we don't like the song. And she says, no, 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 you, know, you haven't heard it with the arrangement behind it. Well, when this guy told me that he wanted game theory, I said, oh, so she went to the library and she read all about a rain. Mm -hmm. So I told the guy, I said, oh, my, my, my partner, he knows a lot about game theory. I'm going to. And of course, I then went to the library where I had gone to school, the science library, and I got every book they had on um on game theory, most of it I couldn't read. It was in Greek. Mm -hmm. But I used the premise of game theory. Because in every game, every position has its own advantage and disadvantage. Now, if you look at what a speculator is, let's go back just to the people who use the commodity let's say wheat, they're, they're trying to hedge their risk because they make bread, right? So they're in there and they, they know everything about the different kinds of wheat, uh, how you can hedge one against the other. They have really knowledge, real deep knowledge because they use it every day. So that's, that's one of the players. Back in those days, there were guys on the floor. And no one could be faster than the guys on the floor because they're standing in the ring. Right. So you're not going to beat them in speed. It ain't going to happen. Mm -hmm. So then there's the speculator. Well, he's not, he doesn't, he's not as knowledgeable is the person in the trade, right, who does this every day. He's not as fast on the floor because he's not on the floor. An order goes in, it goes into a clerk, and then gets tell X or hour they used to do it, 
and then it goes to the guy in the ring. The guy in the ring gets the order and he goes back. So I said, what advantage does a speculator have? And here's the advantage. The speculator does not have to play. Mm, yes. The guy in the ring has to play. The guy who buys and sells wheat has to play. So it came to me that if that's the advantage, then you have to know what the odds are. And the only way you can know the odds is counting. And I, the math, if you remember your, your most math that, that you use for probabilities, they always talk about uh, a deck of cards. Mm-hmm. But that's not the market. There's right. always 52, there's always one king of spades in, in, in a good deck, right? 50, one out of 52. Can't be anything else. But that's not the market. So I said, the kind of math that they're talking about is about static. I said, the markets are not static. What kind of math would you use? Now, I come from Brooklyn, right? I was there when the Brooklyn Dodgers won the World Series, right? Everybody, well, batting averages. Basically, uh, what they call Bayesian. There's a, a reverend called Thomas Braves. He says, you want to know what it is? Look at an average. So I then got very started in measuring averages because I know they deal with facts that happen. Somebody put money, somebody, every, every trade has two things behind it, two people. You might, you say, well, yeah, what about computers? Behind the computer is a guy with a job mm-hmm. or a girl with a job. In our industry, it's normally an overpaid job. I mean, think about it. Anybody with a job either likes the job or they have to work. Well, there's an old saying on Wall Street. Wall Street's the only place in the world where people with limousines ride to take advice from people who take the subway. Right? Yeah. If you if you read, I, you know, so by definition, if you have a job, you you don't know you can't be independently wealthy. Mm-hmm. Can't happen. But you can count. And the markets have a great thing about it. They have, they don't know you. I'll go over a list of why people lose and why people win. But one of the things about losers, and this is the, losing is what this game is about. And and it's not about how often you win. 
is how much you want. Right. You know, that that's a concept in your book, The Rule, that really struck home to me is the the idea of the uh, the the asymmetric returns, right? And the right. the win rate doesn't really matter. It's how much you win when you win and how little you lose when you lose. That was that was so impactful to me. And that's the difference between wealth and poverty. You know, I was once in a, in a restaurant with my wife and um, I had this accountant and we always had to go sign the tax payment. And I was doing pretty well at that time. And he would tell me something like, you owe $3 million, right? And then when I get there, it turned out always to be $2 million. Now, I knew this was a trick of his, right? Oh, okay, okay. But I will tell you something else. We always felt great. So we went out for a celebration lunch, my wife and I. Right? I, I knew it was, but couldn't help me. Made me feel better. Mm-hmm. Feel like I was a million dollars richer. Obviously. And so we're in this very, uh, it was lunchtime in New York. And there's a lot of guys sitting at tables, guys and the corporate. And I said to my wife, who's a social worker, I said, see these people, they're working very hard. Somewhere at this table, somebody or somebody's are trying hard to sell somebody something. They're working very hard. But they're not working as hard as the guy who doesn't speak English that's taking hot dishes out of the dishwasher, really hot, in a sweltering kitchen. He's working really physically hard. Mm -hmm. And I began to see that hard work is not what pays the bill. It's smart work. There are a lot of people who work very hard and don't have much money. And you've got to be in a place where if it works, you're going to make a lot of money. Now, and that's what the game is. How much are you going to make when you're going to win? And how much you're going to lose. So the secret of the game is is an asymmetrical play. And if you put yourself where you can make a lot of money, and you're relatively awake, you you think about it, you'll you'll get richer. I mean. My friends were better looking than me, smarter in school. But I came out, I think, well, Judge Judy probably passed me. But I I was a high school that had a lot of, it was just a plain high school in Brooklyn, but we had a lot of people who did very successful. Yeah. And 
and you, you begin to understand that in order to do well, you have to be where, where it can pay off. If you don't get in the game, you ain't going to have it. Right. And if in the game you can win, and the question is, how much can you win? Well, you, you know, I, uh, I'm 50, I'm 80 years old. I've been doing this for 50 years. I have sold tops. I have bought bottom. If I had to live on selling tops and buying bottoms, I'd be sweeping the street. Hmm. And anybody who wants an ad, they're going to sell you a system that's doing that. Well, if that system was really doing that, would he spend his money on an ad? Right. So, if you, there's great advantages, but you got to learn about losing. The steps. And if, if you, A, think that the, there was a guy I was working in from who had made and lost a lot of money in sugar. He decided that the sugar market owed him money. That very inflated thought. And so every day he came to that brokerage firm, looked at sugar, traded sugar, and then sugar finally took off. And I don't know, he got sick or whatever, but he didn't show up. And once the move started, it was the biggest sugar move in history. He missed it. Oh, no. And the point is, the market doesn't know you. It doesn't own you. Right. It doesn't care. Look, I have had PhDs work for me. I've had all kinds of very smart people. But if you don't know how to lose, so that, and I said it, and it's actually in a book um, where I'm on a page, a book about smartest things said in Wall Street, and I'm, a, I'm on a page with two of my major heroes in trading. George Soros and Warren Buffett. And I and my thing, and I said, look, you can't win if you don't bet. But if you lose all your chips, you're not gonna win. That's right. You can't and, bet if you don't have any more chips, yeah. Right. And it's very simple. I'm I I am very attracted to big wins and big losses. Because think about it. Every Big loss starts with a small loss. You know, you know, um, uh, Deneen, uh, an economist out in um, California, 
I think he was at Berkeley, but um, did a study of 10,000 traders at, at a, a, a big brokerage firm where they didn't charge much commission. Um, and he found out, ten, he took at 10,000 accounts and he found out the strangest thing. He couldn't understand it. People sell their winners and buy more of the losers. And some other guys came and did 70,000 people and they found that to be the truth. Now, why? Because when you win, you get a little piece of, a little drop of dopamine and you feel mm -hmm. good. You don't feel good taking the loss. Right. Unless you're me. I know, just like, that I'm, my averages are going to work out. Yeah. So the government is paying me to prospect. Right? I, I, there were no computers that I could work. Right? I still have about four people to turn on my, my cell phone. Um, and you learn that um, you, you can lose at anything. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be perfect. The only people who ever, even I know, tried to be, I had two daughters. And every day, little girls, and it's not a feminine, they believe in trying to be perfect. Boys muddle through. They don't care about perfect. They don't care how dirty they get. It doesn't bother them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I actually think that to prove out that Women are smarter than guys. But um, now they're running companies that seem to be doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. But this losing is very important. Look look at um, long-term capital. You yeah. have some of the smartest people in the world. And what did they do? They were really good and train um, in the government security market. That's what Mary Weather did. But then they went over to trade to basically do regression to the mean in Russia. Regression to the mean is you keep, you got the mean and you keep buying down gets you low and then it goes back to the mean and you make money. Works a lot of time. You work 80% of the time till that one time that it doesn't. So um, all through the Jones, I'm told, as a, a sign in his office, loses, average loses. Yeah, I've seen that picture. And you know, for someone as successful as Paul Tudor Jones to have to remind himself of that, I think that speaks volumes. Yeah, because he really understands what the game You know, I can't find anybody, and I've been looking hard, 
that's ever bombed out who trades across the board turn forward. The only time I see it is people over leverage themselves, trade too much, and think, and I don't know why, and they give up the basic rules. Mm-hmm. Watch a really uh, watch a really good trader. Even Soros says this, he never talks about it. But I was I met a guy who actually was Soros' broker. And Soros would go in, and if it didn't work, he'd get out. Yeah. Try that. Or through the Jones does that. Because what can you control? You can only control in our business when you're going to play, how much you're going to risk. Those are in your control. Right. Outside of that, nothing else is in your control. You know, um, I'm a huge fan of Michael Covell and his books and you're mentioned all through his books and, um, and on his podcast and everything. And in his books, one of the key takeaways that I got, which totally shifted my frame of mind from trading. Cause at one point I was just selling options against trends and Larry, I found the way to lose money and that was doing it right. Selling options against the trend, right? That's the easiest way to blow up account. I've done it twice, but what I took away from, from Covell's book was he's like, look, a stock can go from five to a hundred and you can get on anywhere in between. You just got to know when you're going to get out whenever you've been proven wrong. And that really stuck with me. And I love using that example because with the trend, we don't know how far it's going to go, but to your point, exactly, you know, when you're going to get in and how much you're going to risk, and that's about all you can control. And really when you're going to get out. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it, and I, I find that a lot of people who do very well in school seem to flunk life when they become a trader. Yeah. <laughs> you know, David Ricardo, uh, it's, you know, was this guy, he gets to England, he, and um, there was, he was a trader. Now, in England, there was this, there was the exchange and like in America, we had the American exchange, which really used to be called the curve because they actually did it outside. And that, so he comes, he, he had some money, they, you know, and I, I, I hear that he knew a lot about, yeah, he made a fortune. Now, he was Jewish. Um, he, which was not that easy to get into English society, you know. And how did he become one of the richer people in England? He, he wasn't in the military. He never. And I searched, I read, and nothing could. Then I found this quote about never refusing an option. And it's what they was, get in, cut your, lo- your, your losers 
fast and stay with your women. And uh, are you married? I am, yeah. I have two little boys. You mentioned little boys okay. earlier. I know all about how dirty they get. <laughs> yeah, but they love to. They love to crawl into stuff. I mean, I was like that too. Well, here's, here's let's, let, I always use sex and stuff as an example of statistics because it's really true. You maybe dated a thousand girls. Okay. Some of them you liked. Maybe you even got engaged to some of them. But you married one. Mm-hmm. Well, that's statistics. That is statistics right there. That's trend following. Yes. So you, you went out with this girl, and it tell you had a good time. So you went out again. Then you start having sex. That was a good time too. And you went in and then boom, got married, then you had a kid, and then you had another kid. I mean, think about these. How what's the age in your children spread? What's the spread? Uh one is nine and one is six. So three year spread. Okay. So each one of those things, if you're a normal kind of person, you are taking on first you take on financial commitment to marry your wife. Every time you make a baby, if you're in old days when people were farmers and every person you had that you created in your family, you have, you get something out of them. You get somebody to help make the farm work. But as modern guy, you pick up a, a lifetime liability mm-hmm. with the child just like your parents i'm sure your parents i don't even know your parents but i'm telling you there were time when your parents to say oh my god is he ever going to be a normal person <laughs> right I don't probably know. more than one time <laughs> and that's how it goes it's the math and it, it uh hl hunt um, was I tell you, I went to see Ray Hunt about um, I did a favor for some people in Dallas and they said what could you do I said that's where I'm at is in Dallas oh okay so you know the Hunt story yeah oh yeah as soon as you said HL High I was like I know that guy <laughs> and and I um, said yeah I would like to talk to Ray Hunt about his father so these people were nice enough they, I said, I'll go there. So I, we went to the Dallas Oil Man's Club. And I said, here is what I believe. That your father wasn't so much a oil man. He was a great gambler. And what Hunt did, while well, the big people would go, it's like, Permian Basin mm-hmm. and kind of look around. When Hunt saw them, he had been a preacher's son. So he went and spoke to the farmers and bought up cheap options. 
what he was. And, and Ray told me that, you know, his father broke two rookies. He was really a good better. Mm-hmm. I said, and I said, that's what this is about. I remember I had a, uh, I was new, uh, we're going to go into Wall Street and I get a job with um, his firm. And this guy, Marty, was a man in the office, man, a nice guy. And I'm talking to a woman and she says, I said, well, I think it's a good bet. And he calls me over and says, Larry, we don't bet here. No. <laughs> and I went out and I looked up where the word blue chip came from. Do you know where it comes from? From the casino. Right, yep. in, Mon- in Monte Carlo. So I said, that tells me more about it than all the books on investment. It's an odds game. Mm-hmm. And that was a big moment. The big- first one was when I noticed these guys didn't know what was on the page. That, you know, and they're really smart. So that I said I got to get something that I that I I can't guess. I mean a six I can understand a four right. I can understand, but I can't. If nobody can agree on what's on the page, and what do I got? So that's that, and then I looked up blue chip where it came from, and so we play an odds-on game. It's sort of like insurance. The hedges, we give them insurance. Well, Mm -hmm. our profit, our profit becomes premium, like getting paid a premium. Yeah. And um, in fact, at Wharton, the commodity stuff was in the insurance section. Um, Time gone past. Mm -hmm. So once you understand losing is a key part of the game, if you if you're believe in your own perfection and that you're not going to lose, you got a problem. Yeah. I, I had a, a relative, very intelligent person, very good athlete. Um, and all the stuff that I, I was been a good athlete. Excuse me. Oh, yeah, no problem. He was a good athlete. He's handsome. And he did better in school. But um, he decided that he knew. Sometimes he just knew where things were going to happen. God talked to him. Everybody I know that I've seen that thinks they know, I've never seen one of them ever stay rich. Yeah. Because you don't know. You don't know. we are watching now a replay of the end of Vietnam. Oh my gosh, yeah. Right? And 
what I don't understand is, if I were leaving, why would you leave the enemy or your weapons? Why would you blow them up? Right. Right? I agree. For sure. Why would you do that? How, how could you leave that, that amount of ordinance around? And I still don't get an answer. Um, and, I, and I'm not a political person, but I just don't understand why anybody does that. Right. And so we have to learn as speculators that we are going to lose. That's our premium we pay to get into the game. That makes sense. And we're really in the risk management business. And um, that's the business we're in. I don't care who you are. Um, you're not going, to, if you don't manage your risk, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, we've seen people blow up who even shouldn't blow up. Uh, you know, like Rich, Rich Dennis, who's right, a brilliant yeah. guy. Brilliant guy. So they called me up from the Wall Street Journal. What did I think? I said, well, I don't see it in the muck. I don't know what he did. I don't know what. Do I think Richard, I think Richard Dennis is really smart. Yeah. But, but you know, <clears throat> you wake up some mornings, you're smarter than others. I mean, it's, that's just the way the world works. You were trading around the time with Richard Dennis, how were you inspired by the the whole turtle story, or did you follow that at all? I followed the turtle. In fact, I just read Mike's book again. Yeah, it's great. I read it earlier this year too. Yeah, and I believe it's true. Now, what's really amazing is all of these people were trading the same shit. Uh huh. Why is this such a variance? They have the same rules, which they can't break, and the same thing. Look at the swing between these people. Right. Why? I'm trying to figure that out. You know, I, I've thought about that too, because they, they had they were trading the exact same securities, they were trading the the exact same. Uh, system and everything else and, yeah. and in, in theory same account level yeah it, you're totally right right and it it's maybe the use of leverage I mean um, I would I think there are people who are really good at certain things native uh, George Soros went and remarked once that he was a terrible private investor. Every time he bought into a deal, the other didn't work. Mm-hmm. But he was a really good market guy. And that could be. That actually could be. There are things that you could do 
you know, and things you can't. I, I remember one of the first lawyers I met, I met this guy, Jeffrey, and um, he became a lawyer. His father was a lawyer and he knew how to make a living doing that. When I explained what we're doing, he got it in a second because mm. he really understood the math. Mm -hmm. I so I'm in I'm in high school and I'm not doing too well. So they send me to a little place. It was right by Brooklyn College, and they think maybe I should go to a trade school or something. So the guy starts to say, and he was an older guy. To me, I was like 15 and he was 30, which double my age. And he was a grown-up. Till now I have children who were 30 and they weren't so grown-up. Mm -hmm. uh, and he should stop. So to tell you what we're going to do, I'm going to read you the questions and you're going to have to pick because they were um, you, you, you got five answers right so you had to pick one that regions in New York worked that way too right it was just questions and then you had multiple choices that's what it was called so and all of a sudden I start answering these questions. And he writes a report saying that Larry is very, very intelligent and he has an ability, math, deep math. None of my grades would have said that. I took geometry twice. It took me five years to get out of high school, six years to get out of college. But I did pick in numbers. And that lawyer, he got it in a minute. Mm -hmm. Some people get, it's like people who are natural athletes, right? And we, we all have talents. We might not understand them, but some things you just get. I mean, um, I knew somebody who, um, who later became the head of man who, uh, you could put him at a piano. He never took a lesson in life, and he could play. Wow. Because we do have talents, but we don't know them. We don't, we don't know about them because we never tried it. I got through school on multiple choices. Mm. I remember there was this story. I'm in, I'm in biology, and girl next to me is a girl named Susan Graberman. And um, she's nice. We were friends. And we're cutting up a frog. Right? If you take took high school biology, that's one of the things she did. Yeah. Well, she's a very popular girl. So she turned around to talk to her friend. And I dropped the dead frog, the girls at that time in Brooklyn carried these huge pocketbooks, right? And I dropped it into her 
pocketbook. <laughs> you know, she puts her hand in. Oh, no. <laughs> right? She thought it was funny. I thought it was funny to clap. So the, um, and I was not going to school too regularly. So the biology teacher sat me down and she said, Mr. Hyde, I'm going to fail you. The only possible way you could pass this cast if you got a hundred on the regions that they were called, then I'm going to have to pass you. But I doubt if you're going to do that. Well, there was this book by a guy named Kaplan, and he bought a book. What he did was he took the tests and he compiled them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Book. Yeah. So I go there and I go through the tests and I take, I take an index card. I write the question out and then I put it on one side. And then I write the answer on the other, right? And I go through like a thousand of them. And then I never, and then I don't look at them afterwards. So I actually passed biology because of that. Yeah. And and that got me through school because it was something that I could do. And I understood intuitively, I had a 20% and five five answers. Mm-hmm. I have a 20% chance of just being blindly right. Mm-hmm. Then I figured out two of the answers, which is totally BS. They had nothing to do with the question. So now I went from a 20% to a one-third. And that's sort of how I got through the school. Mm-hmm. Well, you played it to your strengths. Even if it was biology, you still used the math to play to your strengths. Yeah. 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 And I didn't even know that I was good at math. <laughs> but I, 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 I really, but it, it, it turned out that I really was. Because I used it in a very practical way. It's, um, I had this cousin, he was shorter than me, younger than me. He had a job selling ice cream on the beach. And I, I went there to, to, to work, see if I could make some money. And I'm a kind of heavy guy, and uh, it's hot. And I, I just couldn't do that. It just so I brought I brought the ice cream box and I said I'm done for the day. And then I see this bunch of kids, like from 14 to maybe 20, and they're playing poker. I said, shit, each kid's gotta put in a buck. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. I said, this is interesting. So that became my summer job. Was hustling poker? Yeah, and I was about <laughs> to see the game. Because, but I figured the odds, 
So what do I do? If I had a bad hand, I would throw it in fast. Uh-huh. And that, was, that's a lot better than selling ice cream. And yes. And what was interesting is there was one guy drew to an inside straight and never saw anybody do this. He jumped up and he called himself the bear. I don't know why. And he thumped his chest. He says, got it. And I said, I looked up at the sky and said, God, just keep this kid here. Just keep him here. I'm here. And that's all I need is this kid. Because he had just drew to a 1 in 52 chance. That ain't a good thing to draw to. Right. And to think that you did it. By some divine will, or whatever else he had going through his mind, (laughs) I knew how he would bet. Yeah. And that's it. (laughs) I, 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 so, you know, so to me, the rule is very is how I more or less live my life. Yeah. Because fixing something, unless you have an inside track. Uh, I had a friend of mine, Andy, who was a who, um, very high-level economist, very well thought of. And he, Andy was short. I'm sure people always like the compensation. Uh, compensate for something. And he said, and the guy, I was having a fence built around my backyard because I had these little kids and wanted them outside, but I wanted to make sure they're going to stay in in, in the yard. And um, so Andy and I are watching this guy put up a gate. And Andy says to me, See, Larry, I probably have twice the IQ of that guy. But i tell you something. He's put up that gate a thousand times. He has all the tools for her better now and then. And he will beat me every time. Mm-hmm. And Andy was right. When you get to know something well enough, in our business, you got to start with how much you're willing to lose. End of story. Yeah. And you have estimates of what you'll make. That's it. Mm-hmm. Because behind every trade, even if they're using computers, is a person. Like the machine, my machines, they're run by, you know, but but it's not the machine. I have to live with the results of that trade. Right. Right. It doesn't care. Right. And maybe if I attach something that buzzes the circuit in Japan, they would learn faster. Right. But 
they don't. And you learn that that's part of the game. You just cut you. You will. I will tell you. You will do that. You know. I was gonna ask to give a lecture, and I thought I would give this lecture, and I would call it "Sex." Uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll and money management. Okay. And, and, and because that was get. But I learned something about probabilities. There was a guy named Harry. And Harry and I lived in the same tenement in, in the West Village. And there was a girl. So Harry sort of made his own hours like I did. And this girl gets out on a ledge. There's only two people in the building, Harry and I. She's mm-hmm. crying, but she's on a ledge. Six, five, six stories down. That could hurt. And we talked this girl off the ledge because she was living with a guy that smacked her around. Tried to convince her. Learned two lessons. She moved out the next day which we felt good. And four days later, she was back. Oh, So that showed you just, but so, but Harry would leave in the morning, but with another great looking girl. I mean, really good looking girl. I know this is all sexually inappropriate. <laughs> so I asked Harry, I said, um, um, how do you do this? And um, he said, oh, that's simple. I go to law school at night and I work in daytime selling computers. So what I do, if I see a really good looking girl and go over and say, hi, my name's Harry. I would like to buy you coffee. Says one out of 10, go for coffee. One out of 10, they go for coffee, then wind up sleeping over. Well, I'm an unmarried guy, 29 years old. I'm in the futures business. I said, wow, this is my two favorite things, sex and probabilities. (laughs) So I literally go out and try it. It was amazing. It actually worked. It actually worked. This is just an incredible thing. And, and it really didn't matter. And, and if I was the weirdest thing, I actually had a higher probability with a very good looking girl than with a very bad looking girl, which really mystified me. But I had a cousin, she was called a cousin, but she was my, my mother's best friend since she's 15's daughter, who is really very good looking girl. And she says, you know, Larry, there are a lot of guys that I would go out with, but they don't think they can go out with me. So that confirmed what I was seeing in the data. 
people don't try. And when they eliminate themselves from winning mm -hmm. by not trying. I, I have screwed up a lot in my life. I do not regret any dumb things I've done. They were a lot of fun. What I regret most of all, is not doing stuff. So like David Ricardo said, if you get an option, take it. Mm -hmm. But cut it if it doesn't work. By the way, I had to then figure out what did he mean by option? That he refused option. Then I realized that Basically, when he got richer, you were trading in coffee houses and people would, there was no electronics. So like when I went to Turkey, I found, I went to the Turkish exchange and there were people sitting in a ring. Mm -hmm. So if you made a trade, you got up and you walked over to somebody. That's where the concept don't refuse an option. And I um, I remember I was having a debate with, with a partner of mine who said we had a great system. I said, nah, we don't have a great system. We have a pretty good system. And a guy named Alex Razorman came to work for us. And he actually uh, was going for his PhD. And he, I said, here's the deal. Let's, um, how many trades we make a year? 3,500%. I said, all right, this system will randomly pick Alex knew how to set this up. It randomly pick what it trades using a, a, a number generator. It randomly pick um, long or short, but they have to have a two percent stop. Mm -hmm. That doesn't matter. Well. We, we ran that system, and it beat our system. <laughs> the random system with just the stop loss, beat your system. And if you looked at it, it was very important. Because I, it's what I intuitively thought. You... And, and, and I, 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 I was a fundamental analyst, too. I mean, you know, I, but all of that that you read in Wall Street are stories, right? People get paid to write research. Research has to be a story. Yeah. So you got to make it dramatic. Right. People get bored. Right. And... And, and 
look at Wall Street research. It's a very interesting story. Um, well, I found an interesting story. There was a guy at Bear Stearns wrote an article on the Washington Post the same time that Warren Buffett bought the Washington Post, made his big buy. And And he went through all the things that Buffett talked about. But at the end of the, the thing, he said, but I wouldn't buy it now. I'd wait for a pullback because the market looked very jittery. That's what losers do. Mm. Winners buy it and put it in a stop. Yes. That's the whole effing story. If you don't play, you don't win. But you have to control what you lose. Right. I try to teach them. Uh, Grayson and I can still do a lot of stuff together. Uh, you know, and It's just class on statistics. And I said, all right, training. Yeah, you kept 100 people apply, but they only took about 50, 50 people. And I, he, uh, Alex was a very smart guy. Uh, so he gets us guys from Wall Street to come up and teach. And I happen to like teaching because teaching some of the dumbest questions get your mind going and you learn a lot just by the questions so because you think of things in different ways and sometimes you twist it around you do very well um, and basically with all the proof I see this is a money management game mm. a risk I could take any portfolio and I could turn it into a profitable. I'm not saying I'm gonna be the make it the best trader, but by following these rules, I win. Yeah. And that makes all the sense in the world. And, and that's it. I mean, you know, I mean, you would not know that from my sports career. You would not know that from my academic world. Although I've been very lucky, I married two great, great women. Yeah, uh, you know, one of them died. And she passed me on to a friend. But the <laughs> point, but the point is, that's the secret. All big. Losses stop, start. Sorry, wrong word. Start with a small loss. Yeah. And uh, that's the truth. Is what will kill you. It, 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 if you look at look at the track record of trend following, they're a positive mean game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So what do you want to do in a positive meaning game? You want to keep playing as long as possible. Right. You don't want to swing for the fence. Here, here's what I, I have them do. I say, imagine a plank two feet wide, a uh, hundred feet long. And I say, I put that plank there on the floor and I'll pay you a million dollars. Would you walk from one end of that plank to the other? As long as it's on the floor, I'm good with it. <laughs> so I said, okay, here's the thing. Same plank, but it's sticking out of the out of the Empire State Building. Right. And it's, and it's a windy day. You gonna do that? Nah, that's Same a different story. Plank. Yeah, yeah, right? All of a sudden, and that risk, that's why you get rich. Because you assume that rich, but you stay rich and get richer. Like I thought one of the best bets I ever heard was Paul T. Jones um, bought 1% of, of his wealth in Bitcoin. Oh, wow. But think about it. It's a great bet. If yeah. you lose 1% of your wealth, your wealth How much sleep are you going to lose? Not much. Do you think that Bitcoin could go up 100% over the next decade? Uh, just look at what it's done. It's gone up, you know, thousands of percent at this point. Okay. Yeah. Right. All right. But I'm not saying it can't or can't or cannot. I'm just saying, so for 1%, you could double your whole fortune. And if you look at anybody's track record, it looks like a bell-shaped curve. And basically, you'll find that 5 to 7% make all the money. And in the middle, there's a whole bunch, the losers and winners, and then you have the real losers. Mm -hmm. But the tales tell the story. Yeah. So... I'm telling you that one of the biggest negative, the word lose, is really a positive. If you if you've got a positive mean game, and I don't care if it's buying value, like Graham used to buy, he used to buy uh, anything that he could buy a dollar for 80 cents. And then one of his guys, there's, there's a great speech about the uh, Buffett game on the, 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 the kids from uh, Graham and Donsville. You know, Don, um, when asked about the market, he said, well, the market is two things. It's a voting machine, and in the end, it's a weighing machine. Well, I have found something quite, I will tell you today, it's 
90% a voting machine. We have a, a whole bunch of index funds that all they do is try and match the index. Right. That's, that's all they do. What are they doing? They're trend following. Yeah. You have much more people now trend following, blind trend followers. And look at the average. Take the people who advise uh, funds, right? What happened was when I was there, there were just a couple of us. And uh, now there's a a whole class of investment called trend following. This is in billions. Billions. Yeah. There was nothing there. It was, you know, when I when I went to work for Jack Boyd and took a salary cut, my father thought I was insane. Yeah. I said, no. If this, he's the only one who's, even though he didn't make it, it was, it's a paper trail. Because he didn't, see, he wanted a job. Because he had a wife and family, you know, and uh, and you know, Jesse Livermore said this: the market never changes. The only thing that changes is the people and what they're trading. Right. That's it. If a really good-looking person of either sex walks by the opposite, hands, heads turn. Right. Because that's a, a great book is a book called The Selfish Gene. You can make a point that we are controlled by our genes. They use a body. And, and, and you look at it. We start out, we go through puberty, we make more genes, and then when we no longer are potent, we die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the gene seems to be controlling this. Not right now we're living longer, and it's very interesting. We're living longer, but we're finding more illnesses that come from old age mm. we never saw before. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, so. Basically, to win, you got to think about losing. Yeah. Look at it this way. You're a general. Your money is your soldiers. A general without soldiers is no longer a general. that simple yeah that makes total sense yeah so you were just gonna keep your army and be prudent and look for where you you get i mean i mean 
just look at weaponry. You, you drop, Truman was criticized for dropping the atomic bomb. And he said, no, I look at all this, all our soldiers that came home. Yeah. You had tremendous leverage in that. So there's asymmetrical leverage. There's the probability. You can write it out in a formula. It's really simple. It's win times probability. Mm -hmm. Lose L, right? The probability over divided by your cash. Right. That's the real yield in the game. And you don't really have to go to Harvard. It doesn't hurt you. Um, to do that. It's kind of like rodeo. Anybody can enter a rodeo. This is very democratic. You know, not that I ever was in a rodeo. Uh, <laughs> but anybody puts up the money, they're in the game. So I would just say that you've got to manage your risk. It's that simple. And I manage my risk by using statistics. And I use those statistics to manage my emotions. Like right now, a lot of us are having a very good time in the stock market. Stock market took up, just the stock market, if you look at it, it took up my, my entire wealth by 14%. Yeah. Uh, Malibu, a guy who, uh, I forget what his name, was president of Merck, tells us trade, he and his partner went in, they doubled their money, they doubled the end and they left. That was silver. Mm-hmm. Silver went up five times more. That's right. I remember that story, yeah. And um, it takes, I once turned half a million dollars into 12 million bucks. You know what? I'm so glad you brought that up because, so I'm 35 years old and that was it. That story was in this book. And you were 35 when you made that trade. And I, I remember reading that and, and I go walking around my neighborhood for exercise. And I, I was like, what am I doing? This guy was 35 years old, the same age that I am. I'm still over here playing with like kid stuff, trying to figure it out. And he's making $12 million. And I was like, I mean, that, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Like that, that one story really changed my mindset. Like I got to figure this out. And um, Steve Burns, you know, Steve, he, uh, he wrote on the back of your book here. Um, I told him about that. And he, he was saying uh, how impactful of a story that was to him as well, whenever he heard that. So, yeah, I am so glad you shared. Yeah, well, let me tell you, that was my best and worst trade. Okay. I, if you look at coffee, 
consumption by people, Starbucks and all that stuff, is going up. It's going from the bottom left to the top right. Mm-hmm. On the other, that, that's in red. Then in black, what the, what the growers were getting was going down every year. Hurricanes, whatever. And then I said, a very smart friend of mine who does not allow me to use his name because um, he loves his privacy. He, he and I did this trade. It was mostly his brain. But I did something really smart. I was making like about a million dollars a month, right? And uh, you know, and I said, "How am I going to do this trade?" Well, the first time before that, I tried it, and they had just tried the tax, the tax law on commodities, and I went up in one year, and as soon as the year ended, I went down. I still had to pay eighty thousand dollars for my win. Which was no longer a win. Oh yeah, right? yeah. So I said, "Hmm, I think." And I went out. I found one book it was the history of coffee. I read the entire history. Came to these conclusions: one, coffee is grown in very unstable places. It's very bad weather extremely bad political uprisings, you know, those things. So you have weather you can't control, you can't control the government. So something bad's going to happen by definition. So I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'll take a million dollars and I'm going to divide it into four parts. And I'm Board options in London, and I said I'm going for a quarter of a million dollars a shot because I could afford to do that, and that's what I did really intelligently. And I figured that coffee was sixty cents a buck. I think it get to a dollar fifty, maybe two. So I'm. Going to Europe with my wife, we're going to bicycle down the, the main river, the uh, CERN, I forget what the name is. And we were stopping, we took a trip. And I met these incredible Australians who had drank their lunch every day. And we had just a fabulous time. But, but we bicycled <laughs> 30, 30 miles a day. You know, and um, I was a lot heavier then, but I got through. And I'm sitting in the bathtub, and my wife comes in, she's English. She had this way of, the English have a way of saying, screw you, or something like that. It's so polite, you would not get, like they'd walk up and say, oh, that's a great tie you have on, Larry which means I wouldn't be caught dead in that time, right? It's a backwards way of it. 
but it's funny. And uh, so she walks in, and I'm in the bathtub. This is a, this is for you. I put it in. It's my broker in London. He's Larry. You had six million dollars, or oh, three million dollars. What are you doing with it? I said, roll it forward. Keep going. A good friend of mine calls me up. A friend, Larry. You got nine million dollars. Take the money. No, I'm a transfer. Goes up to fifteen million dollars. Then it goes down to twelve. And boom, I take twelve million dollars. Because twelve million dollars means an awful lot to me. From a kid from Brooklyn, right? I mean, the only people I knew were $20 million, $12 million were drug dealers, mafia guys, and I don't know who. Somebody maybe sold their business for once in a lifetime, right? So I get out. Now, why was this one of the worst trades I ever made? I planned this trade very well. And then I stuck to my train following. But I had calls. When it went down, if I would have shorted those calls, I would have made them into puts. I probably could have made it $8 million more. But I never planned on winning that thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I had no one in my life to that I could talk to that came from a place that normal people came from. I didn't grow up poor, but $12 million was not in my world. Right. My people were peddlers, basically. And so I didn't go short. And then I realized I have a bunch of questions, like a journalist. Who, what, when, where, why, what. And then I learned a lesson. I didn't ask myself, what happens if I win a lot? So there I was stuck with $12 million. Well, what do you do with it? How do you, and, and I was trading options to this day. I've made money and I'm, I still don't know the Greeks. I'm still confused. Deltas, just, I mean, I could look them in a book and I forget them in the next minute. So I had not planned to succeed. You know, you do, even the dumbest person succeeds. You know, you can get 20 heads in a row. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean that you're very smart. It just means that you just happen to randomly get 20 in a row. Right. So you've got to plan it all out. $12 million can change your life. Now, I did this stupid thing. 
I said, well, I only thought I'd get to three. So clearly I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just gonna put this in, in the rear mirror and go. Well, I seem to have done, one time I was trying to buy American Express and they wouldn't give me the price I wanted. This is when I was thought I was Warren Buffett. And so I got so angry, I bought a call. And, uh, oh no, no, I bought a, I sold the put, figuring the price will come down and I'll get the price. Mm, but I had I the money. Okay. It was on the, it was at the you know, sort of like the end of the, I don't know, I said, I really can't get the government this money. I'm not, I don't want to pay that soon. So I'm going to go up two more points over what I'm going to do. And I'm going to buy the call. Because I'm not going to let the son of a bitch have that tax money. It just that's how intelligent I was. Well, never forgot about it. Well, it turned out I had this winning trade. I'm, I end up making a lot of money, a quarter of a million. So here I am, I do some things with options and I, I get lucky. But I don't say shit. Hey, there's got to be something here. Okay. Because I, I take the lady. I said, this can't happen. Right yeah. now. And it turned out that there's something to options. It, but you got to, most people fail because they don't try. And they try them. The other thing, people, who do you talk to the most? You talk to one person. Yeah. The most. Your spouse. You right. know, yeah, yourself. Yeah. Oh, yourself. Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes and no. You're not getting much more information. And the story you tell yourself is very important. Like some people think they can't win. I've disproved that. Yeah. I, I I don't want to brag, but I am the American dream. Not I couldn't agree more. Not like Jones or Soros or Buffett, but what the goal I had was to be able to to me money. Is spelled with an F for freedom. What I wanted to have in my life that I could go where I want, do what I want, when I want. Come to New York. I didn't need to be a billionaire. I didn't think I could be a billionaire. I once hoped that maybe I would get big enough to lose a hundred thousand dollars. That was because I had a very bad image of myself. So. And I guess that's that you should plan 
about winning just as much as you. First, in order to stay alive, you better know how much you're going to risk. Right. And do whatever. Build a computer like I did, which having these smart people do it. I didn't do it. Um, To shield you from yourself. And you do that, and I have not seen anybody who cuts their losses, lets their winners ride, have a bad outcome. Yeah. Some of them, by John Henry, become billionaires because he obviously understands a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I, I could have gotten in with him, but I didn't like baseball. <laughs> no, well, no. Well, it's certainly not the Red Sox from well, a Brooklyn no, guy. Yeah, that way. But also, uh, there's certain things, you know, if you can't see, baseball's a shitty game. Yeah, yeah, well said. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> the only way you're going to get on base is directly to put your body in front of the ball, and you get walked. Mm-hmm. But that's for getting hit by a ball that could be going at a hundred miles an hour. Right. That's 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 a big price for glory. Anyway, it. It was a pleasure talking to you. Oh, you as well, Larry. I, I, I am so thrilled that we were able to do this. We, we've covered so much. And I, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, what a blessing this is to be able to, to have your time and to have you share your wisdom like this. this. This has been absolutely amazing. Well, thank you very much. for. But if people remember to ask those questions, they'll have an easier life and it does work and uh, you know as i say the only regrets i ever had is what i didn't do yeah and i failed at a lot of things you know but just because you fail doesn't mean you're always going to fail and uh, i was at um Henry Jurecki's house, this incredible human being. And we were having lunch, and one guy was a uh, head of a major family in the metal business. And the other guy was a, uh, wrote about, uh, was a major, pretty big author in financial fiction. So a guy said to me, the guy who came from the Meadows family, he said, Larry, did you ever think if you didn't have those handicaps, what you would have become? And he said, you know what? I think those handicaps made me what I am. They were really blessings in disguise. But if you want, I'll talk to you forever. But um, but I think I think that's a good ending. No, I totally totally agree, Larry. This has been 
such an amazing honor to be able to have you on. And, you know, I, I owe you so much for that. So thank you. You don't owe me, but keep cutting your losses and let your winners run. You know what? That sounds like the rule. Yeah, that is the rule. It's the only one. I'm, 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 I, I keep looking and see because every small loss starts uh, could be a big one. Right. And you got to just take your ego out of the way. Mm-hmm. And, um, but thank you very much for your time. And um, I have to thank Michael, who. Uh, I would go. I, I visited him in Vietnam with my wife. Yeah, um, but now everything is locked down. Oh I'm yeah. Just, we are not. You know, when I work with man, um, I went all over the world, mm-hmm. and um, it was actually quite interesting because I got to talk about the same subject because they, that's what they want me there for. But I had a great education seeing what questions people asked. It was really kind of fascinating. And, uh, you know, and I traveled and I had built a network of acquaintances and friends, people I had fun with all over the world. And now you can't, a friend of mine was knighted. Wow. And uh, normally we see each other once, twice a year. I go to London, you know, I, I had, my wife's mother was in London, so I I went there often, and, you know, it was my jumping off ports wherever I was going from. And, um, but now we really can't go around because because of the, these decisions. But, but you know what, I, I, I was very lucky. Um, I had a grandmother, uh, my American grandmother, and she always could take the positive thing out of something. Maybe not quite as truthful as you might think, literally, but Every time I fell, which is a lot in my life, um, I had a great thing. I had to get up. And that's training. Yeah. So keep your losses in control and you'll always get up. There will always be a bull market somewhere. Right. We don't even, trend followers don't even need bull market. They, just, they need things that go in one direction for yeah. long periods of time. Right? I mean, that's really all they count on because you're in it for the money. Right. But keep, you get up. So you got to always make sure that you can get up. And if you do that, you win in this business. I mean, it, it, it's 
Well, if it wasn't such a simple business, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> so, uh, I love that. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank and you, Larry. If you're ever in New York or Florida or in Miami, um, I'd love to buy you lunch. Oh, you know, I was just there over the summer. First time I'd ever been in New York, went to uh, Brooklyn and Manhattan and, and all that. And oh, man, I wish I caught you earlier. I'd have taken you up on it for sure. Oh, but next sure. time. All right. Next time. See Thank you, you, Larry. See ya. Bye. Okay. So what'd you think? That was pretty incredible, right? Now, if you like that, that's only a taste, only a sample of what you're going to find in the full AI stock trading system. And I really highly encourage you to go and check this out. Obviously, you are interested in learning and how to trade, and that's why you're listening to this podcast. Now, I'm going to take and download my entire trading system that I use day in and day out onto you. <laughs> and the only way I'm going to be able to do that is over at the AIStockTradingSystem.com. You're going to get phase one, two, and three, several bonuses. And on top of that, I'm going to walk you through over a dozen trades that I put on inside of my account, holding your hand and showing you exactly how I got in, how I got out, how I use the artificial intelligence data, and how this could work inside of your own trading portfolio on a daily basis. So make sure you head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com to learn more and to get started and to download my decade plus worth of trading experience into your hands so you can start using the AI Stock Trading System today, the five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading. Hey, if you like this video, let me know by leaving me a like below and then subscribe and share it with somebody you think could use it as well. Be sure to comment below with your biggest takeaway from this episode and any suggestions you have for future episodes. And finally, make sure you watch these other videos to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit 10MinuteStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.